everyone. For our returning listeners, welcome back. And for our new listeners, we are so excited to have you all join. My name is Jenna Jordan, and I'm the marketing manager at Data Cubed Health and the host of our podcast. So for our returning folks, you might have noticed a slight change since our last episode, totally fine. And that change is being the name of our podcast. We updated our name from Science Spotlight to the R&D3 podcast, but no need to worry. We'll still be discussing topics around behavioral science, but instead, we'll also be expanding to many more topics in our industry, and we just wanted that to be reflected in our name. So buckle up, everyone. Since we launched our podcast series, we've talked about the basics of behavioral science, took a deeper dive into the various components, specifically motivation and rewards, and identity lock. And now we're wrapping up this portion with our um, behavioral science segment talking about communication and engagement. And I'm so very lucky to have our research scientist, Jeet Roy, as my guest speaker today to talk about how communication and engagement can increase patient retention and compliance in clinical trials. Jeet, how's it going today? Hey, Jenna, it's going great and really excited to be here to talk a bit more about communication and engagement. Awesome. Thank you. Well, like I said, so thrilled to have you here. So let's just jump right into it. Um, so, Jeet, my first question that I have for you was, what is communication and engagement in terms of behavioral science, and how do those components work from a behavioral science perspective? That's a great question. So, jumping right in, you know, behavioral science draws on a lot of different fields, including but certainly not limited to neuroscience, psychology, and economics. So, from a behavioral standpoint and in the context of a clinical trial, we really want to understand how different patient populations respond to different communication strategies and why that might be the case. So behavioral science research can really elucidate hidden biases that may influence decision-making and perception. So for example, if we know that a certain communication strategy might trigger a negative response in a particular patient population, we can look at alternative strategies that are going to be more effective. So based on such iterative research as behavioral scientists, we can design novel and really more effective communication strategies with the ultimate goal of maximizing patient engagement, retention, and compliance. Now at DataCubed, we really apply a behavioral science lens towards all of all problems from product design and development to implementation and customer success. So when we're thinking about communication as part of a patient engagement strategy, Behavioral science, again, is really going to guide our focus on several key areas. So first, establishing and maintaining trust. How can we ensure that our communication resonates with the patient and makes them feel comfortable taking part in the study? Second, we want to emphasize the importance of setting defaults and expectations. So ensuring that study participants understand what is expected out of them during the study and really clearly communicating any potential risks or rewards up front. And third, we want to reduce friction, make participation easier for all parties by streamlining communications and, of course, appropriately localizing engagement content um, and making it relevant to the indication. Awesome. Lots, lots of communication and engagement I'm hearing so far. Um, so my next question that I have is what are the benefits of communication and engagement when it comes to clinical trials? Like, why is it so important? 
Of course. So uh, really well executed communication and active engagement with study participants is essential for the success of any clinical trial. Really upfront, it's critical to establish a strong sense of trust and understanding with study participants, because that's going to set the tone for the entire study and really impact your overall retention. If you lose trust upfront because the study requirements are communicated poorly, or you know you overwhelm the participant or maybe upset them, it's going to be an uphill battle from there. So for example, if the participant is supposed to use an app you know, to complete instruments during their initial visit, but they can't really understand how to use the app, then trust is immediately reduced and the chance to make a positive initial impression is really wasted. So it's all about the details um, for clinical trials and ensuring that critical pieces of information are really communicated simply and effectively at all the right times. So, you know, beyond that, if communication falls off in the middle or towards the end of a study, participants are going to end up disengaged and your compliance is going to fall. So you really want to maintain a consistent and clear line of communication because that shows that the study team values the participants' time and really values that collaboration. And it reiterates that concept of identity lock by consistently acknowledging the participants' role as a study collaborator. Um, also, you know, Communicating relevant information is very important to maintain participants' interest and make their continued participation in the study as frictionless as possible. So, you know, boring, ill-timed or irrelevant content will really do very little to drive retention and could actually result in reduced patient engagement. So, for example, older teens, you know, they're not going to be interested in engagement content that might have been developed for a preteen study nor will they care about content that was developed for adults. So you really need to cater things, messaging at the individual level and not just at the population level. And really finally, as behavioral scientists, we're constantly thinking about how to leverage communication in order to reduce friction and set appropriate expectations. So for clinical trials, that's important not just for participants, but also for site engagement. In fact, you know, establishing trust and setting expectations with the study team is equally important for study success and retention. And we see this a lot in site training, which can be a particularly challenging pain point. Um, and so it's always the case that better communications with sites is going to ensure that they're confident working with different vendors and the sponsor team and communicating study needs with participants. So really, as if sites are communicated with effectively, it builds further trust downstream with the study participants and really strengthens the overall level of engagement amongst all study stakeholders. No, excellent. Thanks for sharing. And I mean, I 100% agree. If there is no trust, why even move forward, you know? Because if you don't have exactly. that, there's just, there's nothing left. You break my trust, I'm out, I'm done. <laughs> um, so the next question I have for you is, how have we applied behavioral science to communication at DataCube Tell? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, here at DataCube, we incorporate behavioral science principles really to streamline communication with not just participants, like I said, but also with sites and sponsors. So upfront, every project is assigned a lead behavioral scientist who guides the development of study-specific patient engagement strategy after carefully reviewing any study protocol. And this individual also works with the client to minimize friction at the site level. So DataCube really tailors um, any particular engagement strategy for each study based on various study parameters, such as indication, study duration, age range, you know, schedule of activities, et cetera. And then beyond that uh, initial review, our project team will 
typically collaborate um, with subject matter experts from the study team and also collaborate with patient community partners and elsewhere in order to really maximize the chance of successful patient engagement for a particular uh, population. So a key part of the engagement strategy is communication. We always wanna ensure that any content and messaging is you know, appropriate for engaging different patient populations and subpopulations. So careful planning on our end um, and working with the client, you know, we also can ensure that reminders and engagement content are deployed optimally for really driving that compliance in a way that aligns with their you know, schedule of assessments. And we also think about incorporating some unpredictability or surprise in any engagement strategy because that can even further motivate participants. We don't want things to become too mundane or you know, boring um, over the course of any study, especially longer studies. So for example, uh, carefully timed digital rewards of different sizes, um, which are received when completing study activities or reaching a certain point in the study journey can really keep participants engaged for the long term. And then a few other ways we uh, think about implementation. Um, we sometimes utilize additional surveys, uh, such as validated instruments, such as Transcelerate's uh, Study Participant Feedback Questionnaire, the SPFQ. This, this can be leveraged to obtain participant feedback at different points of the study, which is really important for engagement. You know, for example, at the beginning, middle, and end to understand how they're kind of responding to um, the overall feel of the study and the activities, and if it's too burdensome, et cetera, things like that. And for some studies, uh, you know, the engagement strategy might even evolve over time or be tailored to different subgroups of participants based on their overall engagement with the study. So we kind of, this sort of adaptive patient engagement can really help reestablish a connection with non-compliant participants and drive them back to the study community uh, and re-engage with them. Uh, and finally, we really put a high priority on accessibility. Uh, we really want all patients to be able to um, use this, uh, our app very easily uh, without any specific issues based on, you know, vision or hearing impairment. So for example, for an ophthalmology study, where participants may have vision impairment, we would recommend really leveraging audio content for our communications and engagement strategy there. Awesome. Well, honestly, Jeet, that's pretty much all the questions that I have to ask you regarding communication and engagement. So thank you so much for taking the time to share with us the basics of those two components from a behavioral science standpoint. I mean, I know I had an excellent time listening in. And I hope everyone enjoys listening to this episode as well. And uh, we hope that you all come back and join our next episode in the coming weeks. So Jeet, thank you again so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks again, Jen. This was great. Awesome. Thank you. And then also for everyone, we're so excited to share that we are now on all major podcast hosting sites. So feel free to check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Podcast Addict, and so much more. So until next time, everyone, I'm Jenna Jordan, and thanks for listening to R&D3 by DataCubed Health.